from the feature staff at the Columbus Dispatch. This is Life in the 614. Hi, and welcome to Life in the 614, the official lifestyle podcast of the Features Department at the Columbus Dispatch, coming to you every Thursday. If it sounds like fun, we'll be talking about it. I'm Ryan Smith, Features Editor at the Dispatch, and today I'm joined in studio by Michael Grossberg, freelance theater reviewer for the Dispatch. The temperatures are finally starting to rise, and that means the hills are alive with the sounds of monster trucks? Monster Jam returns to the city Saturday and Sunday at Value City Arena, bringing with it all sorts of high-powered vehicles that promise to go airborne. Actually, the hills are alive with the sounds of soapbox derby racing. That's right, children are invited to climb behind the wheel of a soapbox derby car Saturday during a free test drive fun day at Big Run Park, where they can reach speeds of up to 28 miles per hour on one of the few outdoor, non-roadway derby hills in the country. Experienced drivers can bring their own cars, but there will also be about 15 available for newcomers. Okay, okay. Seriously, this week, the hills are actually alive with the sounds of Broadway musicals. That's because the 2019-2020 Broadway and Columbus season was announced earlier this week. Kicking off things will be Dear Evan Hansen, the most acclaimed Tony-winning musical since Hamilton. Also on the docket are the comedy Mean Girls, classics like Les Mis, My Fair Lady, Miss Saigon, and Wicked, the romantic musical drama Anastasia, and the jukebox musical Jersey Boys. Joining Michael and me in breaking down the upcoming season is Lisa Minkin, Columbus Association for the Performing Arts Broadway Marketing Manager. Thanks for joining us, Lisa. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, my pleasure to be here. I think the first question that I wanted to ask is just how do you go about following up a season when Hamilton was part of the last one? I mean, it was certainly no easy challenge, but lucky for us, there are a lot of great shows that are out on the road. So we were able to bring six to Columbus that I am sure everyone's going to love. I know there was a lot of buzz when we first announced the lineup that Dear Evan Hansen was going to be kind of maybe the most exciting one as far as the the new stuff that's out there right now. Michael, what do you think about that as far as leading off the season with that? And I mean, it's gotten some great reviews out there. How excited are you to see the tour of that? This is the show I was most hoping they would announce for next season, along with Come From Away, which I'm still hoping for, perhaps for the, the following season. But Dear Evan Hansen really excited people. And it's gotten the most rave reviews and applause for its innovation since Hamilton. The I think the fact that it happens to be the first show in the season is probably an accident of touring routes and timing. But the thing that's amazing about Dear Evan Hansen is that it's a totally original musical by a team of people who won Oscars for La La Land and other songs. The thing about Dear Evan Hansen, it's not adapted from a film like so many musicals are these days. It's not adapted from a novel or a pre-existing story. They made it up and it's so clever. Now the score is really, really good. But the amazing thing about Dear Evan Hansen is its book, its script, its characters, because it's a fascinating story, very original, with a lot of plot twists that we shouldn't talk about. That's true. <laughs> and what's interesting is it came from an idea from Benj Pasek's actual high school experience. And when the writing duo met in college, they thought it would be a great subject matter because, you know, it's a high school experience, a young kid trying to fit in, and I'm not sure there's anyone that didn't go through that in high school. And what's really interesting, too, is social media plays a really interesting storytelling device. And one thing when we were researching the show we read is they compared it to the Telephone Hour song in Bye Bye Birdie, where at the time they're not just singing a song about telephones it's because that's how they communicated in that day and age and to tell a modern story without social media you know would be lost in this day and age because it's such a fabric of our lives, especially high school students. What do you think that local theater goers will come away with? You know, what's going to be 
tops of their mind after seeing Dear Evan Hansen? Gosh, I think they're really going to feel just an emotional connection to the show. I think the songs, even though it's set in a modern time, are so heartfelt. You know, I think you can easily reflect to a moment in your life where maybe you were feeling like Evan was feeling or the conflict he goes through. So I just think they're going to have a really strong emotional connection. And like Michael was saying, the songs, the score is fantastic. When you devise a lineup for something like this, how do you go about balancing stuff like this that's very new and very modern or Mean Girls, which is also, you know, very new and and very relevant, I think, to people's lives and things more, you know, like Les Mis and Miss Saigon, things that people have that are more historic, things that people have been exposed to before, things that people have seen before because they've come to town before potentially. Right. So we always survey our subscribers and single ticket buyers. So a lot of what you're seeing in our season is stuff they're telling us that they want to see. And of course, we always do like to have have a balance of shows that are, you know, jumping right off Broadway and touring the country and we want to get them on their first, you know, tour in Columbus. So it's finding that delicate balance. And also we're so lucky to have so many vibrant arts organizations alive and well in Columbus that it's also scheduling time in the Ohio and Palace theaters. What weeks, you know, can we get in the theater that matches up with the tour schedule? And Michael, maybe you can talk a little bit about keeping some of those older routines, some of those older musicals fresh. How do they do that on these tours? shows, for example, with My Fair Lady. Well, there are uh, almost half of the shows, including some non-subscription options, are classics that people have had a chance to see before. Les Miserables, Miss Saigon, both by the same creators. I love both of those shows. Jersey Boys is coming back very briefly in mid-January, and Wicked has been probably the most popular musical of the 21st century. In another 10 years, Hamilton might eclipse it, but, you know, this is going to be its fifth visit here after several multi-week runs. The thing they have to do beyond making sure that they're not just starting to do rote performances is, is, and to get the very best talent for it, which usually does not include the Broadway stars. But they have to be really beloved, classical, powerful, poignant musicals or musical comedies that are classics. And then what really makes them of interest is if they're based on the most recent Broadway revival. And My Fair Lady is coming here for the first time as an expression of the Lincoln Center Theater revival, which didn't change a word, really, of the script or the songs, and yet the way it was staged, it made it more contemporary for the Me Too generation, especially the subtle staging of the ending, Mm -hmm. so that you see it's not just a one-sided transformation where the professor's trying to change Eliza Doolittle, a cockney flower girl, into, into a more elegant lady, but she also has the power to transform him, and the question is, can he change or not? So it becomes much more equal empowerment, and that's the revival or familiar show I'm most excited to see on this season because it has a fresh eye on it based on the most recent best Broadway directorial and design talent. And it is gorgeous. I mean, it's everything you want out of My Fair Lady. When they walk out for the Ascot Gavotte, my jaw dropped just because those costumes and those hats are just stunning. And out of all the musicals that are coming back, maybe that have been here before, Lisa, is there one that really strikes you that you're most excited to see here? You know, it's like asking me to pick a favorite child, but I am an old school musical girl at heart, so I'm with Michael. I can't wait to share My Fair Lady 
community with our audiences because it is just breathtaking. How far in advance do you start working on these schedules? What are you doing right now as far as working into the future? Yeah, so we actually have a call on Thursday to talk about our next season, but we pretty much have our next seasons kind of penciled in. The Tony Awards always impact things to see, you know, what's going to be popular, what's getting good buzz, what audiences want to see. But we're working, you know, anywhere from like one to three years ahead on the schedules. And what are some of the unique challenges that face a town like Columbus when you're trying to get places here? Well, kind of what I talked about before is the availability of the theaters. It's also there may be a show like Come From Away that we're just dying to get in our theaters, but maybe the tour routing schedule just doesn't sync up with, you know, what we have available. So that's sometimes a challenge too. But I will say we announced on Monday night at our reveal that Come From Away is coming in our 2021 season. Wow, that's exciting. So Michael, why don't you tell us why you're so excited about Come From Away? Well, I think it's only about a 95-minute one-act musical, and it seems pretty modest. It's an ensemble structure where there's no one central character. It's staged beautifully with most of the actors playing multiple roles, but its theme is about community and forging trust in a post-9-11 era. It's about 9-11. You could say it's a 9-11 musical, but it's really about what was happening while the United States was obsessed with what was happening in New York and Washington and that field in Pennsylvania. It was the hospitality of Canada. When they shut down for the first time and only time in history, the airspace over the United States, there were hundreds of planes coming across both oceans, and they didn't want to crash, so where were they going to go? Well, a lot of them, I think, I forget if it was, you know, 12 or or 20 planes, went to Gander. And this is a small community that got completely overwhelmed, but they opened their homes, and and it was completely unexpected. And all the, the shifting kaleidoscope perspectives of people on the planes, no cell phone service, no announcement about what's happening, and they're getting scared because they see all these other planes out there. What happened? Why can't they reach anyone? And then the people in Gander who just opened up their hearts and then what happened as a result of that which was on the way home because of the hospitality a lot of the Americans said let's start a college fund and they raised millions and every single kid in Gander now has a college scholarship I mean it's such an inspiring story and yes you can have a maudlin sentimental musical that doesn't work based on a really good subject but this one actually works this one is funny and poignant and wise and touching and it makes you laugh and it makes you cry. That combination, I think, is just a surefire recipe for a really good musical. And you leave the theater with a restored hope and humanity. I mean, there's so much negativity out there. I think you leave joy-filled when you leave that show and all the characters, you know, are based on real people. Some of the characters are combined, but I had the opportunity to meet a couple that actually met and fell in love and are now married today. And they're just a lovely couple. So just hearing all those different stories told on stage is just so powerful. That's awesome. So I'll give you both a chance to answer this question. We'll start with you, Lisa. And that is, if you look at the stuff that's coming to Broadway now, what's on your wish list already for something that you could get to come to Columbus? You know, I saw the Cher musical in December, and I think audiences will love that. It's all Cher's greatest hits. And I didn't really wasn't really familiar with her story, so I didn't necessarily go in as a fan, but I left as a fan, and you can't beat the Bob Mackie costumes. The other musical that I haven't seen yet but is getting a lot of buzz talking with some friends from New York is the Temptations musical Ain't Too Proud. It's you know tells the story of the Temptations that has all that great Motown music and they said the talent on that stage is just incredible. You mentioned Cher. Did you go see her in concert when she was here after seeing the Broadway? Unfortunately did not. (laughs) Next time. (laughs) Next time she's here. How about you Michael? Well I try to go to New York every April toward the end of the season and catch up with the new shows and report to the dispatch usually in a mid-May 
Sunday Arts Cover Roundup of, of some of the most newsworthy new shows. And it's always challenging. You never really know in advance based on the buzz, which can be misleading. There's usually half of the big, biggest, most important shows that don't open until the last few weeks of the season. There's a lot of musicals still to open. There's Tootsie the Musical. There's Beetlejuice the Musical. There's Town, which got a claim off Broadway's transferring. There was a recent opening of The Prom that got good reviews. And there is the, the Ain't Too Proud Temptations musical, which is a jukebox show, mm-hmm. if you like the Temptations, and uh, the Share show. The question with the jukebox musicals, especially in re- in relation to Jersey Boys, which mm-hmm. I think is the best of them, even though Mamma Mia is the most popular, Jersey Boys, I think, has the best written musical. Jukebox musicals can never be judged by their songs, because the songs are great outside of the context of the story. The challenge for a jukebox musical is to make it work and exciting in terms of the story and characters. Jersey Boys is just terrific, told by four different points of view. All the other shows tend to be limited by the ruts of what are the songs and the lyrics and what kind of story can we tell based on that. So the real question for the Cher show in particular is, is this going to be a musical like On Your Feet, the Gloria Estevan musical that ran a year or two and then stopped because it didn't go beyond just her core of fans? Or is it going to be something like Beautiful, the Carol King musical, where even it's still running four or five years later because it's a good enough story that even if you didn't know Carol King's songs and even if you didn't consider yourself a huge fan, you still enjoy the story. So there are big question marks. One thing unique with the Share Show that I haven't really seen in other jukebox musicals is there's three shares at different points in her life telling the story. So they, I thought that added like a really neat aspect to the show because it's also not necessarily the shares aren't telling it in chronological order. It's kind of they come out at different times and they're like really weaved together in the show. So I thought that was really unique to see. Now, one of the things that, you know, people here in Columbus will be limited to when these shows come to town is just what happens on stage. Lisa, you have the advantage of meeting some of these actors and actresses when they're here in town. You have a a series on Facebook where you get a chance to interact with them. Tell us a little bit about what things are like behind the scenes. You know, meeting these artists growing up, probably like a lot of people listening, a big Broadway fan as a young kid is truly a dream moment. So in my uh, web series, Broadway Dish, we'll go behind the scenes, we'll take artists out and do carpool karaoke, singing in the cars, and they're just so grateful to be on the road and hearing their stories of you know either how a show came together or what it's like to be in a different city, you know, every week almost of the year. It's, it's just neat to hear their stories, but also see their passion. And you know, it really never seems to get old. You're doing eight shows a week almost all year. How do you keep it new and fresh? But they just love the storytelling and connecting with the audiences. And overall, the Columbus audiences are so wonderful to the cast, you know, cheering even on a weeknight, maybe where it's after work, just almost all the time. The tours are just so grateful and excited to be here in Columbus. Columbus does have ardent theater goers. And I was talking to several people who had gone to see Hamilton, some of whom, gosh, I don't like rap musicals. And they went there and they, after all, the first three songs, they started to realize this is much more than I thought, and they get thrilled and excited. And after the end, they're saying, "My God, I never saw a show like that before." It's on the level of genius. Now, every single touring show isn't on that level, even though *My Fair Lady*, when it first opened in 1956, and eventually, after five years, set the record for the longest-running Broadway show, a record that's since been broken many times, got reviews that were the most rave reviews in history which is almost one of those blessings that's a curse because it was called a perfect musical, which then fossilized and froze it for half a century. So there was a previous revival with Richard Chamberlain in the 90s, and it tried to change the... uh, Cecil Beaton black and white costumes of the Ascot Gavotte to bright, surreal colors. But 
it didn't really rethink the staging or the concept of the musical. The exciting thing about this revival is that it really does rethink it for today. When we talk about reaching audiences here in Columbus, what do you think is going to be the most attractive to some of the younger, you know, theater goers, maybe people who haven't been exposed to theater before and who might be willing to give it a try for the first time? You know, I think on our new season, our first two shows, Dear Evan Hansen and Mean Girls, are really going to speak to those first time musical theater, people that are willing to put their toes in the water just because the music's a little more modern in line with what they're used to hearing. But of course, especially in Mean Girls, there's some great, you know, hip of the hats to classic musical theater too. But I think those are two musicals really to maybe if you haven't been before, give those a try. Not only that, they're both about high school students and they're both focusing a lot on high schools. But beyond that, it's a, it's the focus is on young people facing new issues. And then Anastasia right after that in January is also about a young woman trying to make sense of her past and her future. So you're front loaded with the youth of heel. Most definitely. And Anastasia is beautiful. And I think one thing unique too with kind of Anastasia and Mean Girls, they have really different sets than what people may have probably seen before. And the fact that they're either projections or LED screens, so you can get a lot more vivid picture. There's a scene in Anastasia where they're on a train car that you would swear they're moving through the countryside, that it's all done with like the projections on stage, which is really neat. Outstanding. Where I think we'll look forward to checking out the technical advances as well as just, you know, some of the really interesting lyrics and, and storylines that are going to be coming through town. I appreciate you coming here today to give us a preview of all of that. Yeah, thanks for having me. Quite the pleasure. Thanks a lot too, Michael. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Life in the 614. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, keep enjoying your own life in the 614.